0: Welcome to the Impact Church Podcast, and thank you so much for joining us as we seek to establish Christ followers who live in obedience to God's Word and make an impact in their community and the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, Pastor Brad begins a new sermon series on the book of Revelation as he speaks about the guaranteed hope for those who stand with Jesus Christ. Are you ready to make an impact for Christ? The time is Now
1: but welcome to impact church this morning this new sermon series entitled the overcomers standing in victory because that is going to be the theme of our sermon series because it's the theme of revelation that this is about jesus it's about his victory that he has claimed through the cross and because he is god and he is sovereign so we're going to dive right into this and i'm going to open this up because a lot of people would be like man why revelation man why we got to go through that exposition that's going to take some time yes it is it's going to take a lot of study it's going to take a lot of time we're going to learn a lot and my prayer is lord let me preach this in a way that it's not a theology class right and all the college students be like amen i get enough of that during the week you know what i'm saying so hey, we're going to make it we are going to learn we're going to dig god's word out but we're going to make it come alive we're going to make it applicable all right? You're not just going to leave here with head knowledge. You're going to leave here with life-changing knowledge, okay? That's going to allow you to stand in a, in a world going in a opposite direction when we need to stand for Jesus. So that's what this is going to be about. You know, some people get a little scared uh, about the book of Revelation as well, and, and we really shouldn't. And we're going to look at that and see that as we go through that, especially here today. But it's, it's, what we're gonna do and, and see and know is that this book of Revelation is kind of like watching a game, all right? Watching a, a game that's already taken place. Let me dive, let me dig this out here a little bit. All right, so today there's gonna to be some football games on, okay? Some of you guys in here are cowboy fans, right? Raise your hand if you're like that brave. All right, yeah, Woo, yeah, 19.3. Oh, god, never mind. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, some of you guys are in here are what used to be the Redskins now the Commanders, right? They have a game as well. So what's gonna happen is if you're diehard fans today and you're watching this football game You're gonna get really anxious, maybe even upset Yelling, screaming like the dog's gonna have to hide under the bed because it thinks something's wrong if things go wrong You all don't have to raise your hand for that But I know there's some of you that are that intense watching a football game, right? Daniel Hunkley, All right, so um, I <laughs> I mean, we're gonna get upset if things start going wrong in the game because we think our team's gonna lose. And, and it means something to us. We don't want them to lose. This, this was supposed to be our year. We were supposed to do this and go to the playoffs and go to the Super Bowl. This was it. Why are we losing? Why are, we, why are bad things happening? And you get upset, right? But then at the end, if things turn around, because how many of you know that it's not how you start, it's how you finish, right? So at the end, if things turn around and they end up winning the game, of course, you're all joyous and you're excited and you're elated because what you thought was going to happen just miraculously didn't happen. But what if you didn't get to watch the game today, all right? And somebody told you already that, hey, we won. Okay, They, they spoiled it for you, okay? But say, just say, even though you know your team won, You want to go tonight, later tonight, or tomorrow, and you want to flip over to the NFL network, all right? And see, the NFL network replays the games that just happened today, okay? So now somebody's already told you your team's won, but now you're watching the game tomorrow after it's already taken place, but you already know your team at the end has won. So now when you watch that game, do you get as upset when that quarterback throws an interception? Do you get as upset when one of your players get hurt? You get upset when you fumble the ball on the goal line, throw the pick six. When things go horribly wrong, do you get upset anymore? Mm -mm. Why? Because you know you already won in the end. Guys, that's what we're gonna read. That's what we're gonna study. You see, so many times we get upset in life because we feel like Christianity's fumbling the ball and we're throwing the interceptions. And we're losing players on the field. And we get all upset because we think the enemy's winning. But that's because you haven't understood the end. That victory's already been done. And Jesus is here to come and tell us through His Word that you don't have to sweat it anymore. Because I've won. And you've won. And you and I can be overcomers together if you will stand with me and not buckle until the end. Now there's a message we all should wanna hear because that way when we go out and we see things go wrong and our government makes decisions that are are contrary to God's word and contrary to, to morality and destroy our world and we see this one world government form and we see one world religion start to form and we see all the bad things happen to us, we don't have to get upset because we know we're standing in victory as overcomers with Jesus. Let me pray for us before we dive in. Dear Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, right now, Father, we just fall on our knees, Lord, and we wanna look to you. Father, because you are holy, you are worthy of our praise, you are worthy of our lives. Father, you are worthy of our hearts and our will. Lord, let us give that to you. With no fingers wrapped around anything. Lord, our hearts and our lives are yours. This world is in your hand. Lord, you're sovereign. And Lord, you wanna lead us to this understanding to know that if we are in Christ, if we are covered in the blood of the lamb, that we stand in victory. And that we through this word today will have encouragement, not discouragement, but encouragement to stand because we know you've already won. So Lord, help this fall upon hearts and minds that are open, that are ready to receive your word today, your revelation of you and your second coming and your victory so that Lord, we can be confident even in persecution in times of uncertainty To know that it's okay because through you we've already won so lord i pray that you would come and do in your people's hearts and lives what only you can do and you get the glory in jesus name amen all right so here we go if you have a copy of god's word with you or you've got your phone or tablet you can scroll turn flip to the book of revelation it's in the back baby all right the last one easy to find and in our passage today as you know if you've been in uh, impact very long we don't go over God's Word in a hurry we dig okay I've always kind of given the analogy I don't want to fly over God's Word in a jet (sighs) what was that right what'd you just learn what'd you just see nothing I want to go over it with a helicopter oh let's let's stop right here let's hover over this matter of fact let's go on down here let's look at this and then we'll pick right up where we left off and kind of cruise again you you get that so we want to take the time and expositionally go through the book of revelation today and i'm going to be honest with you and we're going to see and understand that this is what god wants us to do but unfortunately too many churches avoid this book they do, especially on Sunday morning. Matter of fact, I heard one pastor, as he was doing a sermon in his church say, you know, this isn't a, uh, this isn't a series that lends itself for Sunday morning, so I'm doing it on Wednesday night. Baloney. Hogwash. That's why so many people don't know God's word in this book and don't understand it. It's because nobody wants to teach it and nobody wants to go through it and, and they don't want to, to dig it out, take the time to dig it out and, and they go through it just so fast. They'll do like a whole chapter in one sermon. Guys, that's impossible to really dig in and understand. That's not what we're gonna do, okay? So if you really wanna come and you wanna get excited, you wanna learn God's word through Revelation along with me, cause I'm gonna be learning with you, then come on, all right? We're gonna go on a journey. In fact, by the time we're out of this book, we may be back on the church land in a building, I don't know, okay? You talk about Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, we might, you know what I'm saying? All right. So stay with us, all right, because we're going to learn. God's going to teach us a lot as we go through His Word and Revelation. So I want to read this passage for you. We're going to be just in verses one through three, and then we're going to dig this out, set the stage, and go through this. Why Revelation? Why this? Let's read God's Word together. Revelation chapter one The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave Him to show His servants this book is not for Sunday morning. This is for Sunday morning. It's for God's people to learn. Matter of fact, if, if John were reading that today where he says, Blessed are those who read, that would be blessed are those who preach. And then it said, And blessed are those who hear the words. Blessed are the congregations who hear and understand. And then those who preach it and those who learn it, and for us to then keep the things that are written in it because the time is near. I think it's for Sunday morning. It's for all of God's people to learn and understand so let's set the stage for this who's writing this what's going on what's the what's the situation around this book so we know that John one of the twelve disciples of Jesus wrote this book okay of Revelation one of God's disciples and also his last living disciple okay on earth so this was the last one he was it one of the ones that jesus loved right as the book of john writes is the one jesus loved he's referring to himself peter james and john were the closest to jesus so here's john writing this book the time it was written a little bit of debate a few people believe it was written around 68 to 69 a.d which would be during the time of nero But most people believe it was written in 95 to 96 AD during the time of the next Roman emperor named Domitian. All right? So, this is what I would subscribe to, along with most of the theologians, authors, pastors that I trust to know that this was written around 95 to 96 AD during the time of Domitian. All right? Why that's important is because John is on this island of Patmos. Okay? Why is he there? He tells you in verse nine of this chapter, which we'll kind of get through to next week, but he said that he's on this island and he tells you why he's there. He says he's there, not because he's a criminal, because that's where they would send these criminals, by the way, from Rome, they did bad things, they would throw you on this island in exile, all right? He's not there because he did something wrong morally. He's there because he did something wrong spiritually in their eyes. What did he do? He tells you. I'm here because of God's word and because of Jesus, because I stood for them and I would not bow or buckle to an emperor. So, John is there because of his unwillingness to bow down to a government and an emperor who wanted him to shut up, and he wouldn't do it. He's there because of his willingness to stand in the face of opposition and persecution. And endure and still profess Jesus let me tell you what kind of persecution of course at one point he was asked to, to drink poison and everything else but in this situation Demetian had sent him to be boiled in oil and all the historians say of course it's not alluded to in this passage specifically but the it didn't didn't faze him it didn't touch him It didn't hurt him in fact he was still talking about Jesus in the pot come on So he's boiled in oil, going through persecution, and they just take him, throw him on this island in exile. That sets the stage. So we know that there's government resistance to Jesus, a world system being developed even at that time against God's word, albeit just in Rome. Okay, And somebody, a brother, a disciple of Jesus decides, I'm going to stand and I'm not going to bow and buckle. And I'm going to endure persecution. Why? Because he believed Jesus was the victor. All right. I've seen plenty of instances all throughout Scripture. You look at Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. All these people that stood for the Lord and His Word in a time when it wasn't popular. Boy, that's starting to sound really familiar, isn't it? Do you think this might be applicable to us today? Why in the world would we not want to share and preach this word? So, he's here. Here is this evil Roman emperor, Domitian. And Domitian took this a, a step further because he wanted to take on all the attributes of God. All right? And he wanted to apply them to himself and established a religion around himself. Okay? Call it a one one Roman Empire religion okay that everybody's gonna worship the way he wanted them to or you're gonna get in trouble okay so he is basically combating Christianity well Christianity combated his stand through Christ and his last Apostle John right here right up in his face Nero had already had Paul and Peter killed all right and to Nero Paul and Peter were just some annoying Jews just preaching the word. But see, Domitian looked at it a little differently because he knew what what John was standing for and what all these apostles and, and disciples of Jesus were standing for was a higher godly divine power that stood to threaten him and any emperor of Rome. So that's why he wanted to defeat it and reset a religion around himself so he could get the glory, so he would have the power. So in a sense, Domitian was the first to declare war against the Lord and the first to lose that war, foreshadowing what's about to come. You see that? So here's where we are. We've got the stage set. We know the situation. We know what's going on. Inside of all of this, we know that this is, though, a very misunderstood book. And honestly, that's why some people shy away from it. That's why some people just fly over it with a jet. Wow because they don't wanna take the time to dig because there's a lot and there's a lot of still kind of things that may not be understood completely until the end. So it is a misunderstood book though by the majority of people because they are uninformed and untaught. That is the number one reason that this is a misunderstood book. Not because it's too complicated, that's not it. Because most of the symbolism points to itself and tells you what it's talking about, okay? So it's not misunderstood because it's way too complicated and way overhead. No, it's misunderstood because people don't take the time to teach it. People don't take the time to learn it. That's why it's misunderstood, all right? So, but then there's also people that are unbelieving. They just don't believe it. They just think it's a fairy tale, a a fiction book. Ah, this is way too far-fetched for me to believe. I'm too smart to believe that stuff. That's what they think, that's what they say. There's even some people that call themselves Christians that might you hear say that, all right? But mostly we're talking about the complete unbelieving, all right? Even Daniel said, and you can uh, turn with me there to the book of Daniel chapter 12. I'm going to read for you verses 9 and 10. So Daniel in his prophecy, when the Lord had given them that at the end of the book of Daniel, turn with me there, chapter 12, let's read verses 9 and 10. What happened there? What What did God say? It says, and he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. Many shall be purified, made white and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. So first we see with Daniel's prophecy, it would say, hey, here it is. It's to be closed up and sealed when? Until the end times come. All right. So that was Daniel's prophecy. And he also said, hey, any of this stuff, the wicked's not going to understand it anyway. How much more so about this prophecy as well? And what we're going to see is this prophecy was not given to be sealed because of the end. So we're going to see that as we go through. But the wicked are not going to believe and understand. They're going to laugh at the symbolism and everything that's in it until these things really start to happen to them. And then it's not going to be so funny anymore. There's also people that are just not interested. There's some people in the body of Christ that they just don't think this is practical. They don't think this needs to be taught. Like, come on, man, give me something that that really means something. Give me something I can use. Let me tell you what, you can use this. Matter of fact, you better use this because this is gonna give you the strength to stand when things ain't so sweet and hunky-dory and life ain't a bunch of cupcakes, baby, okay? This is applicable. You will use this. You should use this. God wanted us to use it. So let's dig. Verse 1. What does it start off with saying? Okay. The revelation of who? Who? Jesus Christ. The one and only name under heaven by which man could be saved. Jesus, the one and only son of God, the one and only God over everything, the creator. He was there at the beginning. He was with God, he was God. He, he the word became flesh and dwelt among us, that Jesus, the king of kings and lord of lords, the great and morning star, the great I am. It's him. The fairest of 10,000. It's Jesus. It's the revelation of Jesus. So why would we not teach that? Why would we not preach that? Why would we blaze over that? This ancient Greek word translated revelation is apocalypse. And what it means is where we get our word apocalypse, all right? Which apocalypse means the destruction of the end, right? Especially referring to biblical times of revelation. But the word apocalypse in this Greek means a revealing, an unveiling, an uncovering of something, all right? So the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus. In that sense, it belongs to him, and he's the one doing the revealing. We see that because he gives it to John, the angel to give to John, okay? He got it from God the Father. He gave it to the angel, gives it to John, all right? So it's his revelation. He's the one doing the the unveiling, And it's his revelation in the sense that he's the one that's being revealed. He's the one that's being understood. When he said, I'm coming back, this is what he's talking about. This is it. He gave it to show his servants. John, the servants of God at that time, the servants of God all through the church age, including us right now, so that we could know and understand his word. That's why he gave it, he wanted to reveal himself to us, not hide himself, not make us a mystery, not make this so complicated nobody can understand it, he gave it to reveal himself to us. So what does that tell you? There's understanding in it if we seek the Holy Spirit to guide and lead us. It's not a mystery, it's an unveiling, it's a revealing, it's not hidden. This book's gonna show us Things that haven't quite yet to come and been revealed. It's going to tell us about it. Kind of like watching that game after it's been played out. It's going to tell us, okay, who the Antichrist, what he's going to look like, how he's going to come on the scene. It's going to show us God's judgment. It's going to show us all the calamity on earth. It's going to show us about this mystery Babylon, all right? It's going to show us a lot of vivid detail on things that are yet to come. It's the revelation of Jesus to us. It's gonna tell us about him and his second coming and what that's all gonna look like. Here's the thing. If we catch everything else, if we get so caught up in in all the other stuff and the who's and the what's and the the this and the that, if we get caught up in all that and we miss Jesus, then we miss the book of Revelation. Because it's his revelation, it's about him. All right, it's not the Revelation of John, how some Bibles used to label it at the top. By the way, any labels or titles at the top of your book are not divinely inspired. That's man put in, okay? I hope you know that. All the chapters and verses and divisions, that's man put in. Those are not necessarily divinely inspired, okay? So at one point, Revelation said the Revelation of John. That ain't what the first verse says. It is the Revelation of Jesus, not John. John's just a vessel that God wanted to use. To reveal himself as lord all right so even crazy enough martin luther said that my spirit can't identify with this book because there's not much to say about christ what a man of such intellect comes to that kind of conclusion this is all about jesus what do you mean there's not much to say about him good grief man in fact, did you know this? I didn't until I got to studying. Of course, we all know this. We love to talk about the first coming of Jesus, don't we? I mean, we love that. We celebrate that. We like push that out. Matter of fact, that's when everybody come to church. <laughs> talk about, tell me more about the first coming of Jesus. Tell me about this cute little baby that came so that, that I could be, have grace and mercy. and, and oh, Tell me about that. That's, that feels good, right? We love that. But did you know for every verse in the Bible that talks about the first coming of Jesus that there's eight that talk about his second coming? Why don't we wanna know about that? The first coming is very important because it fulfills all prophecy of the Old Testament and the Messiah and God and the flesh coming. Don't get me wrong, but we, as we study that, as we should and glorify that and praise that, we should also look to understand and glorify this and have value to this as well. Eight to one ratio. In fact, we know that Jesus all through the Old Testament, once he did come and lived on his earth, was he popular? Oh, he was what mocked, despised, ridiculed. He was sent to a cross. He was beaten, he was spit upon, he was crucified, died. What kind of glory is there in that? What are you talking about? He's the king of kings. As a matter of fact, they mocked him, said he was this king of the Jews up on the cross. Made fun of him. He wasn't glorified, worshiped as a whole. He was spat upon and rejected. So this Jesus that you see after the first coming is nothing like the Jesus you're gonna see after the second coming. You see this, this Lord who should have been praised, who everybody should have seen him for who he is, who did despise and reject him, the Bible says in Philippians 2, 10 and 11, it says this, that at the name of Jesus, that every knee will bow. Talking about when he comes back, baby. Every knee will bow. Where? In heaven, earth, and under the earth. Oh, you mean all them people that thought they got away without having to bow and they died and kicked the bucket and they gone They ain't got to worry about it? Nope. They got to do it too. Don't let God break your knee to praise him. Do it now on your own. Every knee will bow. Then it says, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. A lot of people have trouble with that today. They have trouble when I preach his word and I say, you've got, He's he Lord of your life? And they have a lot of problem with that. But that's what the Bible says. You're gonna call him Lord. You're either gonna do it now or you'll do it before you're sent into eternity in hell, separated from a holy God that doesn't want you to go there. And he made a way so you could miss out because he did send his son on earth to down across the spotless lamb that was slain. And he came as a lamb, but I'm telling you right now, he's coming back as a lion and you don't wanna be on the bad side of Jesus when he comes back. This is about his second coming. It's about our Lord. It's his revelation of himself. It's no myth. It's more than just a character on a page. This isn't about just some historical person that lived years ago, did miracles, did great things. This is about Jesus coming back and finishing what he started. How many of you guys know that Jesus finished what he starts? He does. When he started in his life and he knew that he was going to the cross and he was in that Position of prayer to God and he knew the pain that he was about to endure to sacrifice his life the Bible says he was sweating blood asking the Lord man if there's any other way he says but not my will be done your will he knew but did he run from the pain did he run from the persecution no he finished what he started he finished what he came to do but then he died and he rose again to fulfill all prophecy, to, to show that he is God in the flesh, that he is Lord, and he ascended to the right hand into the throne of the Father. And I'm gonna tell you right now, he's coming back again to finish what he started. Make no mistake, it's what he told his disciples he would do. He's coming back. That's what this book's gonna show us and tell us. So he's not just a God of the past, which he is, he's a God of the present and he's the God of the future he knows how the game's gonna end and he wants to tell us about it why would we not teach that not to the book of Revelation do you see Philippians 2 10 and 11 makes sense where you know that it's the end and everybody's gonna bow because he's Lord so this babe in a manger is gonna become this warrior with eyes like fire and a sword like a tongue. That's what Revelation says. This despised carpenter is gonna become a praised conqueror. He comes back. This mocked and crucified king of the Jews is now gonna be labeled the victorious king of kings and lord of lords, to which every knee will bow and every tongue confess. Verse one after it says the revelation of Jesus Christ, I think we banged that one home pretty good. It said which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place, must shortly take place. What does that mean? You see, that's where a lot of people get all screwed up, and be like, ah, that thing, that book of revelations ain't telling you nothing. They've been saying the ends coming for a long time, right? They even said, my great grandma used to say that. My grandma used to say that, I used to tell stories. And it ain't happened yet. The Bible says it's shortly gonna take place. And that was written back in 96 AD. See, there ain't nothing there. Not so fast. Not so fast. You see, this book even calls itself a predictive prophecy. It's a prophecy. Okay? Says it here in the passage we just read that this is a prophetic book, the only book in the New Testament that is a prophetic book by itself, okay? So we see that this is speaking of things that will happen. And it even says, shortly take place, says the time is near. So let's capture that. If you look in chapter four, which we'll get to eventually at some point, and, and we'll see that that's when it starts to talk really about the things that are to come, okay? and starts to lay all that out. That's why it says the time is near and shortly will take place. But what do those things mean, shortly or near? We need to know that those are relative terms, relative to what? Relative to God's timetable, not yours and mine. When we say shortly, when we say near, we're like. But God said a day is like a thousand years to him, a thousand years is like a day. So God's looking down and be like, why are you stomping your foot, fool? You see, what we have to understand is, inside of this being God's timetable, when he says shortly, in this uh, shortly, well, things will take place shortly, is the Greek ancient phrase, intakai, which means quickly or suddenly coming to pass, okay? This indicates the the rapidity, the, the rapidness of the execution of these events after it begins to take place. Okay? So once the end times come and they start, how quickly do they take place? Okay? So as we start to see the signs of end times, which will be defined all in Scripture, and we'll go through a lot of those as we go through this, we should start to look up, okay? because it's gonna happen quickly when it happens, all right? And we know that the great tribulation period is only a seven-year period. That's pretty quick in the terms of history, isn't it? Okay, so when this happens, when that rapture happens and you get seven years, it's quick. Bad things are happening real quick. You think it's bad now, you just wait. It's not gonna be pretty, okay? So basically, through about 2,000 years of history now, Humanity has been kind of cruising along the brink, okay, kind of riding along the edge So at the time when things are fulfilled and God the Father is ready Jesus said I don't even know the time or the hour all right only God the Father in heaven So when God's ready to to push the proverbial button (laughs) flip the switch boop. In other words, we don't have a long way to go to the cliff Jesus himself gave signs of the times. Paul alluded to Timothy what the times would look like when the end times come. We'll go through all that. And as you look at those and as you see those clearly laid out, you realize we're close. That it's just different now. It's different than it was 50 years ago. It's different than it was 20 years ago. Church, it's different than it was two years ago. We're just paralleling the edge, ready. When God the Father's ready. That's why I've always said it's the fourth quarter. We just don't know how much time's on the clock. So it's time for us to make a play. It's time. If God's got us on this playing field of life, he's put us here for such a time as this, and he wants us to stand for him and his truth and his word so that just a few that will receive him will say yes to Jesus. That's why it's so important. Doesn't have to be a long time coming. At all. Could before we get out of church. Wouldn't that be some stuff? If the Lord come back on a Sunday morning when the whole world's in church, I wonder how many people would be left sitting in chairs that think they were going. It's time to get really serious about this book. So shortly means quickly, suddenly coming to pass. All right, it's gonna be sudden, it's gonna be quick. This last part of verse 1 it says that he sent all right he sent and signified by his angel to his servant john so god gave it to jesus that's what it said there it says which god gave to him capital h that's jesus to show his servants right things which much the it says that then he gave his angel to give to john got that so now we know that god thinks this is important <laughs> Jesus thinks it's important enough to follow and give this to his servant so that it could be preached and told throughout humanity, throughout the church age for people to get ready, okay? So if all that is done, if Jesus is concerned with prophecy, shouldn't we be? This is not just a frivolous exercise or book to go through. It's this serious business that God wants us to know and understand to encourage us, not to scare us, not to make us live more further in fear and, and, and shed tears because, oh, everything as I know is going to be gone. Oh, my goodness, please don't have that kind of grip on this world, do you think that? Please have a heavenly mindset to know that this ain't nothing compared to what God's prepared for you and I in eternity once you're there you're not gonna miss one thing on this earth i can promise you that but oh how we love to just i want this god's got something better oh you want this man somebody throw me a mcdonald's burger or a big old t-bone i'm going for the t-bone you can have that paper patty. you know what i'm saying (laughs) Hey, that get on out of here i can't taste that anyway that's what god wants to give us something better man don't look don't grip the things of this world and this earth so much so that you don't anticipate and look for the glory of god that he's prepared verse 2 very clear they said he gave us this and then john says this he says who bore witness to the word of god this is scripture This is the very word of God. John knew it as he was getting it. This is for everybody. It's God's word to us. He knew it. So inside of these signs, this symbolism, is God's word to us. Don't run from it. Why the symbolism, though? (laughs) Right? I mean, you ever thought that? Be like, Lord, wouldn't it just been like a little easier to just go ahead and spell the stuff out like put people's names in there if you got to call a brother out I mean I don't know just make it easier you know but God's not gonna do that he did symbolism why why the symbolism that's a great question all right one reason is symbolism is necessary because it has tremendous power in its language and it's not weakened by time okay So it's just as applicable and encouraging and motivating to the the churches that John presented this to, all right, as it is to us today in Forest, Virginia. So it doesn't change its impact, its relativity. It's written for then, it's written for now. He was in the church age, we're in the church age. It's for all of us. It's for us. It's not just for them. It's not just for symbolism by itself. There's meaning and purpose in it, all right? It gives this symbolism the basis of good versus evil, all right? You're going to see that as we go through God's word, all right? And even at this time, as John was writing this, this symbolism, as he promoted this and pushed this out to the church, all right? If the Romans picked this up, they would be like, ah, this hogwash. This ain't saying nothing. So there was. Nothing in there specific where they could say, oh, you're talking about me. You're talking about me, aren't you? I'm gonna do this to you now, right? So they didn't understand this, meaning the Romans, because they didn't know God's word. But inside this and inside of these symbols and all these references in the book of Revelation was references to go back to the Old Testament, which the followers of Christ knew. So they could go through these symbols and they could see and identify with what was already known to them through the Old Testament, okay? Does so that make sense? And so can we, because we can look back and understand God's word and see its relativity. Here's the next thing. Why symbolism? It gives emphasis to things, all right? It gives a clear, more vivid picture of something, all right? It's one thing just to call somebody a dictator. am like, eh, okay, we've had a lot of dictators through our history, right? You know, we think of Hitler and that, and that da da right? Saddam Hussein, there's been a lot of them. But when you turn around and call somebody a beast that gives a little different picture doesn't it not just a dictator it's a beast coming Mm, come on how about this we always call about satan and and uh you know his demons and 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 to the point where where some people even kind of mimic and make fun of Satan. i've heard somebody call him little nicky you know what i'm saying oh little nicky well, I, okay, I get it because he has no power nor authority over you if you're in Christ, okay? But let me tell you what, if you surrender to him and his goons and his demons and you give in, he does have some authority over you to torment you, to jack things up. And he's always your accuser. We're going to see that as we go through Revelation. He's against you. He's your enemy. He's not just some little bitty little cute thing with a, with a pitchfork and a, and a pretty little tail. And no, uh-uh. So what does Revelation assembly matter? is a dragon ain't little Nikki. ain't little It's the dragon gives more vivid representation how about this one It's just one thing to call somebody evil or bad but it's you know when you start talking about a, a false religion or a one-world religion that's gonna envelop it gives a whole lot different picture and much more vivid when you call it a harlot, a whore, the great whore. What? Drunk with the blood of the saints. Oh. Oh. are not just talking about just some simple false religion, are we? No. They're coming after you. Because there's an enemy behind it that wants to kill you, destroy you. He doesn't want to see you stand for Jesus. He wants to see you give in and buckle. He wants to see all these people take the mark of the beast because he knows where he's got them. He wants to destroy. That's a much more vivid picture, isn't it? By the way, talking about this great harlot, this false religion, this one world religion, did you know that's in the works? Did you know that? Just two years ago, there was a document brought up called the Human Fraternity for World Peace and Living Together. Sounds real fluffy, doesn't it? let's all group hug what's it talking about it's made up by the pope that's right the pope and some other religious leaders of islam to come together to say hey let's just all do this together Let's live in peace and harmony. That sounds innocent, and it sounds real great until you figure out that they've taken it a step further. And not only have they signed it two years ago, but just this year, matter of fact, I think just in the past week or so, maybe a few days, they have adopted it. It's now in place. You can go look that up. Take it a step further. They've been developing and building a place that's called the One World Religion Headquarters. It's called the the Abrahamic Family House. Did you know that? It's being built right now, about to open possibly next month. And inside of that is three places of worship, a church, a mosque, right? Okay. And come on, come on, all together in one place where, get this, now they're saying, hey, even at the church, you can't display a cross publicly on that building. Come on. You see what the one world religion wants to do? Wants to still suppress who? Jesus. We'll include you, but don't you talk about that exclusive, exclusivity thing of Jesus. And it's coming together and it's being built right now and put into works. We're gonna see, as we go through Revelation, that that was supposed to happen. You see, what you're gonna see as things get closer to the edge, that, that watching the news and reading the newspaper is gonna be almost like reading your Bible. Because it's coming. Why would we play games with this book? Yes, it's filled with signs and and, and symbolism. But it's accessible to those who understand the rest of the Bible and have it to look in and look back to the Old Testament. In fact, there's over 500 allusions to Old Testament uh, narratives, and there's 278 of the 404 verses in Revelation. That's almost 70% that make some reference to the Old Testament see how it all ties in and there's some people that want to throw the Old Testament out like a baby in the bathwater uh, 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 uh. not so fast the Old Testament's relevant It gives understanding to the revelation of Jesus does a lot of these symbols you're gonna see represent angels and demons and principalities and rulers and powers that are still to come and we're gonna look through all that but one of the biggest symbols that you're gonna see throughout Revelation is numbers A lot of numbers involved in here and one of the symbols one of the most common numbers that is as a symbol is the number seven in fact the number seven is referenced 54 times in revelation 54 times that's a lot you're gonna have seven churches seven spirits seven candlesticks seven plagues seven beatitudes in here lots of sevens why because seven's the number of completion in the bible perfection completion so you're gonna see sevens all through here. And this is a self-identifying, self-interpreting book. Most of these symbols and things are gonna be, they're going to, it's gonna tell you what they are if you keep reading and you keep looking and you keep digging, it's gonna tell you what they are. Yes, there's gonna be some that are, are, are left kind of like Eh, I don't know and some of the some of the things we we may not know until we look back on prophecy as it's been fulfilled then we'll be like oh that's who the antichrist was oh that's who mystery babylon was right okay so some things will be revealed later most things are revealed right here in his word god wants us to understand it because honestly it doesn't matter who the antichrist is it doesn't matter who Mystery Babylon is, it really doesn't. The fact is they are real, they are there, they're gonna come on the scene, right? And there's truth in his word, that's really what matters. Not the who's and the what's, it's just that the is is what matters. So chapter one, even John kind of outlines his word as he goes through the book of revelation and chapter one is going to be about the things that are seen right the things that john sees the 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 revelation of things all right so he's going to see god in his glory chapters two and three are going to be the things that are okay this present church age is going to be not just the churches that actually existed then he's going to address them this book went to them so yes it is for them but it wasn't only for them Let's get that concept. It's talking about when it gives to these seven churches, these seven churches are not just those specific seven churches and those seven churches only, amen. That's not it. They represent all the churches throughout the church age. So it's applicable in every piece of it to us. There's representation, there's symbolism, yes, but it represents us today. When Jesus calls these churches to repent, he means it for us as well. That's why we went through that message last week in such depth. Because we have to understand repentance before we get to this book. You go through chapters 4 through 22, those are the things that will be. Those are the things that are to come. In chapters 4 through 19, you see how this government is set and will envelop and develop and what will happen. And then in chapters 20 through 22, you see the things that will be in terms of God's glory and the glory of Jesus, the overcomer, and us with him verse three man it got late so quick how'd that happen look at this chapter verse three says blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near even in the end of this book it alludes to the blessing that god wants to have on the people that keep what's in this book So if God has blessing inside of this, for those who read it, understand it, and work it out, why would we avoid it? I don't know about you, but I want to know it. I want to know all of it. I don't want a sermon over all of chapter one, over all of chapter two. I want somebody, Lord, show us. Holy Spirit, God is directed. What is this? What's in this? Why? The Bible's very clear. There's blessing in that. Many people miss out because they neglect this. In fact, the Anglican church virtually omits revelation because it doesn't even schedule it for reading in public worship or private devotions. And that's a typical attitude toward this book, unfortunately, by a lot of people. Fortunately, though, John didn't say, blessed are those who understand all of it. (laughs) Right? Amen. Blessed are those who read it. All right? Receive it live it out there's the blessing so there's gonna be some things that i don't really know all that yet until things come to be that's okay we just trust to know that what is is what is because some of these things like i said like this one world religion and stuff we're gonna see that stuff develop right in front of our eyes as the time gets close okay it's coming. in chapter 22 verse 10 of revelation you can flip back to the end don't worry, we're not closing up the sermon series today. As I just said, hey, we're going one. hour go to chapter twenty-two now. Chapter twenty-two, verse ten. Just want to read this for you. Talking about we shouldn't it shouldn't be disclosed. Remember earlier in Daniel, God said to seal this word up. Really, don't share it because it's for the end times. You ready? What he said for John, for Revelation, and he said to me, "Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book." for the time is at hand. Oh, don't hide it, don't run from it, don't neglect it. Don't seal it, read it, preach it, learn it, embrace it, be encouraged by it, there's a blessing through it. Can't say it any more clear than that. What would these blessings be as you look through this? Not money, can you please just get that out of your head? (laughs) so many times we think of our blessings from the lord are in our pocket oh i just got a raise i'm making lots of money so that's the blessing from the lord i just i'm making more money so i can buy more toys that's a blessing from the lord that's a different sermon i'm not going to get started god's blessing what could it be through this prayerfully thought of a few things how about motivation to its readers you ever thought about motivation to fight the good fight of the faith, to stand firm in the face of persecution when it's not easy. You ever think of that as God's blessing? Or you just want a dollar? You just want a new truck, boat, house? Or do you want motivation to stand for Jesus when times get tough? How about that blessing? That's what this book will encourage you to do, It's to stand, because you know the victory is His, it's already done. How about the blessing of viewing God in His sovereignty? that when things are bad and things just seem like they're out of control, they're really not, that there's a God who is in control. How about that blessing? To give you peace that surpasses all understanding. There's a blessing for you. That ain't gonna buy you a new car, though. That'll encourage you when it's not going well, when you do lose all the money. He's sovereign. How about the blessing of he finishes what he starts? He didn't leave us hanging, that he's gonna complete it. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and he's the end, baby. He's got it all in his hands. You have nothing to worry about. How about that blessing? So you don't lose your mind when you think we're losing. Because we fumble the ball. You have peace because you know he's completing what he started. How about the blessing to know that in Christ, if you're covered in the blood of the lamb, that you stand in victory, that you're an overcomer. How about that blessing? You ever thought about those as blessings? Blessed are those who read and receive and walk out this word right here. There's your blessings. There's just some of them that the Lord gave to me as praying through. Has nothing to do about a dime, a dollar, or your status, baby. Has everything to do about you being encouraged as the times draw near when it gets tough to give you the encouragement to stand. Man, how dare us think that the Christian walk is supposed to be so easy and every time we do something for the Lord is supposed to go smooth when every disciple almost lost their life for him, right? We just talked about John had been boiled, and sent on an island. How about Peter and Paul died What? Lord, forgive us for thinking it's supposed to be smooth sails as we stand for you. It's not. It gives you a blessing of encouragement to stand when times are tough. I don't have time to continue reading all I had. I'm going to skip to the end to close us up on what we had. But we know that he's going to be a defeated foe that you and I, the followers of Jesus, the ones covered in the blood of the lamb will be overcomers and we will defeat him. How? By the blood of the lamb first and foremost and by the word of our testimony. I wanna know today if somebody's covered in the blood of the lamb. I wanna know, are you washed? Are you ready? I don't mean are you perfect. I mean, is your heart surrendered? Are you taking those steps of repentance like we talked about last week? Is there evidence of the Holy Spirit of God in your life? If not, you better get under the blood, baby, because the time's near. Ain't no time for playing. Because those who are not covered in the blood, I got bad news for you. You're not gonna be an overcomer, you're gonna lose. You're gonna be defeated. You're gonna be washed up in this mess and it ain't gonna be fun. And at the end of all that, you thought that was bad, you're gonna spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell where he's not available anymore to help you out. Nobody is you're not hanging out with the boys cracking open a cold when watching the game in hell You're spinning a tournament with the weeping and gnashing of teeth and fire and pain crying out for someone to help you And ain't nobody listening You're isolated in darkness in pain If you're not covered in the blood for those who would surrender and give our hearts and our lives to him we're washed we're clean and it says we will overcome the enemy and all this evil world and everything to come by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony what's that that means now we got to live it out that we're standing we're telling people about jesus what are you and i doing today to make sure people hear about jesus before they hear the trumpet and it's too late That's why we wanna reach. We wanna preach, we wanna make disciples, we wanna reach, we don't wanna be a church that's confined inside our four walls. We wanna go out in the community and people know and we're sharing Christ with people. And I hope you're doing that, not just on a a collective basis with us as a church, but you're doing that individually as well with the people that you work with, with the people that you go to school with, with the people that you play ball with, that you live in your neighborhood. What are you doing to share Jesus? Are you scared that you might offend them or they might laugh at you or they might unfriend you on Facebook? God wants us to stand. We have this encouragement. I'm going to actually close by just reading Revelation 21, 1 through 7. And I'm not going to try to exegete it or anything like that. I just want you to hear God's word to close this first sermon of the day. And I hope this has whet your appetite for what's to come in God's word. Revelation 21, I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Can you imagine? Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Talk about the restoration of walking with Jesus in the garden, oh Lord, come on. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Why would you wanna hang on to this world? Then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I'm making all things new. Look at the person beside you and tell him Jesus is making all things new. Tell him, He's making all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Are you thirsty? He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will, be in, I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Are you thirsty? Are you ready? Let's go through this book, because we're going to learn about the revelation of Jesus Will you come on this journey with us grab somebody else and bring them to church. Bring them, they need to hear it. The heck with the the fluff preaching out there and all that stuff. Get somebody, let's come and get some meat. Let's come get some steak. Yeah, I'm gonna preach a little longer than most of your average Joes out there because I don't come with a devotion. I come with a word from the Lord today and a message each week. Because the time's near he's faithful let's bow our head and close our eyes I want to know if there's anybody in here today you might say Brad i am not covered in the blood of the lamb I've been coming to church I've been doing some things I've been singing some songs and knowing some scripture but I haven't surrendered my heart I'm not in the blood I don't want to be the ones left behind I don't wanna be the Matthew 7, 21 through 23 Christians. I don't wanna be the ones that, that Paul told Timothy that in times there's gonna be people that have a form of godliness, but they deny his power. I don't wanna be the ones that run away from sound biblical teaching and run to the teachers that tickle my ears. I wanna be covered in the blood. In other words, I don't wanna play church. I wanna be the church. I'm ready to surrender my heart and my life and my all to Jesus and repent and turn from my sin and turn toward a holy God was worthy. If That's you, you're ready to do that, then I offer you the opportunity to surrender right here today. Lead you through a prayer from your heart to God's heart. And just know that it's not the words that save you by themselves. There's not magic words. It's about your heart that's ready to surrender to the authority of Jesus right now. Make him your Lord, your all, your everything. Bend that knee now. Or if you're here and you say, Brad, I've walked in and out of church doors. Have you committed my life to, to Christ earlier? And I know, man, I, I saw the, the fruits in me. And I know I was on fire for the Lord. But lately, man, the world's washed it out. Things have just washed it out. Life's just been going wrong in a bad way. and I've been trying to do life on my own and I'm struggling and I'm ready to surrender and come back to the cross and rededicate my life to Jesus and get on fire for him. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to do the same business with God right there today and pray the same prayer from your heart to God's heart right now to receive him for the first time or rededicate your life to him to say, dear Lord, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. That means I've fallen short of your glory. And I'm in need of you to be my savior. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross, the spotless lamb that was slain for the sin of the world, that I could be covered in the blood of the lamb, washed and forgiven. And then that you rose three days later, proving that you are God and that you stand in victory. Right now, already the victory is already yours. It doesn't come at the second coming. That's just the completion of what you've started. So Father, I want to right now, in this place, at this moment, for the rest of my life, claim victory, your victory, in my heart and in my life. And my commitment to you, Lord, is the rest of the breaths I take and the steps I take and make are only for your glory. Amen, if that's you, you meant business with God today, you surrendered all right now the first time, or you rededicated your life to him, boldly and unashamed, I want you to raise your hand and say, Brad, I prayed right now that prayer. I surrendered. and committed my heart and life to God. I'll see you. And if I don't see you, God does. Amen. You put your hands down. Amen. Amen. Church, can we give Jesus and his word a big round of applause today for who he is, what he reveals to us. Everything he wants to use in this sermon series as we go through to teach us that we have understanding, but more so that we have that blessing, that blessing to be motivated, to stand, that encouragement, to know that he's sovereign and to understand that he is God and that he is the victor. That is the blessing the Lord wants to give as we go through this book. So let's take it today. I hope this whets your appetite and you're hungry for more. You come back next week and you bring a friend tell a friend, right? Bring them to church next week. Hey, be the hands and feet of Jesus this week. Let's go make an impact. We'll see you next Sunday.
0: Thanks again for joining us today. The Lord is truly doing an amazing work and we would love for you to be a part of it. Check out the show notes for links to our website and social media pages. Or if you're ever in the Lynchburg or Forest, Virginia area. Please come on by and join us in making an impact for Christ.